we are continuing our series called Many Parts, One Body. And that title, series title emerged out of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12. And so we will be exploring 1 Corinthians 12 verses 18 through 20 today. And the title of the sermon is Preparation Equals Opportunities. And during this series, we've gone on a journey of really exploring Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12, recognizing the pursuit of God's purpose for our lives. And last week, we understood and and, and started to assimilate the value of teamwork and how that helps the body of Christ grow. And we've built week on week. And this week, we're building on the focus around preparation and how when we are prepared, that unlocks opportunities divine, kingdom-centered opportunities for us to be change agents right where God has placed us. But just by way of a brief recap for us this afternoon, occasionally we can lose sight of our purpose, and that can be confusing. That purpose can look cloudy, and with that, we start to maybe lose focus about who we are. But I have found in my own journey that who I am and who I have been created for and by is found when I'm in God's presence. The more I align myself with God's purpose and God's presence in my life, the more I understand who I am, what I've been created for, and what he has ultimately called me to achieve. And so it's more than just being in his presence. It's about abiding in his presence. Why? Because it's in those moments God is talking. And I often find for for myself perhaps, God is always talking, but I'm not always listening. Or sometimes I fall into the trap of selective hearing. You know those ones where we, we kind of listen to what we think God wants us to do, and we'll accept that bit, but not that bit. That doesn't work in our journey. If we want to seize every opportunity that he has created and orchestrated for us as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we need to be prepared. If you, prepare to, if you don't get yourself prepared, ultimately we will fall into failure. And so I want us to think about who we are in him. Because when you understand who you truly are in him, the landscape of your life changes. So take a moment where you are. Ask yourself, who am I? Not what your name is or your date of birth or where you were born. Those are pieces of information about you. They don't define you. Who you are and what God has created you to be. Take a moment now in your own heart, in your own life, to think about who you actually are. Because one of the, one, one of the promises that I think stands out really substantially for me is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Like, that is a phenomenal and a privileged status to us for us to have in our journey. When you think about that in the natural sense of the word, an ambassador from one country to another is somebody who represents the entire population of one country when they go abroad. And they are to uphold that country, the values of that country, the ethos of that country, and to create the best possible flourishing relationship between those countries. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Wow, what an honor, what a privilege. You have been called and commissioned by him to represent him in your workplace, in the marketplace, everywhere where God has called you. Wow, how are we doing with that representation? 
When you think about the ambassador for each country, I don't want to get into the details, but they are literally told what suit jacket color to wear, what color their tie should be, where they should sit, how they should cross their feet, how they should um, greet each person. Everything is ordered and methodical and worked out. Why? They want to maximize the potential of building those relationships between those two nations. And for us as Christians, are we maximizing the potential that he has placed within us? Are we putting the best of Christ on display in our own lives that would say to our work colleagues, to our friends, to every person that we encounter and engage, there's something about you. I want to understand a little bit more of what that relationship looks like. So verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 12. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. God arranged. Your translation may say God ordered. That means you are significant. Amen. You have not been overlooked, you are not deprioritized, and you have not been discarded by God. Now, when you think about arranging things, perhaps you're a bit like me, and your desk at work is super clean, everything has its place, everything has its order. Maybe you open the door to your fridge, and all the drinks are on the right-hand side, and all the material, everything you need is just in order. You've got symmetry, there's, there's a sense of priority, there's a sense of of engagement in your own heart about how you want everything to look. Why? You want to maximize your potential. Same thing in the workplace, in every environment that you find yourself in. But sometimes we can fall into destructive and discouraging patterns of thinking. We start to believe the lie that we're not important. Self-esteem starts to erode. Motivation dissipates and our sense of value crumbles. Why? We've adopted an incorrect thinking about the purpose of the church. The church is not a social club where you come on Sunday and you mentally log your time and then you leave. We are the church of Jesus Christ, Monday through Sunday, 24-7, 365, from the moment we make a confession of faith in Christ until the moment we get to the pearly gates. Amen. Nikki Gumbel once described this pattern of thinking in footballing terms. Church today is a bit like a football match. 22 people running around, doing everything, watched by thousands who need exercise. Interesting. Remember, your thinking drives your behavior. And if you can't find a verse in the scriptures to substantiate your viewpoint on a particular area of your life, and ministry, here's an idea, discard it. It's incorrect thinking. We should reconsider who we are, who God has called us to be. The purpose of the church is revealed in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He has anointed me, not church leaders, me. Amen. Amen. You're important. God is patiently preparing you, friends, and has been 
right the way through the recent season that we have navigated for you to lay hold of every single opportunity that he has put before you. The question is, are you aware of the opportunities? Are you aware of what God is calling you to do? These verses alone should neutralize any lingering doubt that you have no place to contribute in the body of Christ. Order opens opportunities for you in your life. Do you believe it? Will you take it? That's the church fulfilling its mission, upholding, protecting, sustaining, supporting the people on the margins of society. And as we align ourselves with God's order, he starts to open opportunities. And you know what happens in those moments? The supernatural becomes normal in your life. You lay hands on the sick and you expect them to get healed. You haven't got a flimsy hope that maybe something might happen, she'll fall over, say amen. That is not what God has called us to do. Your own trust, your own confidence in God will start to get elevated. So right where you are, friends, I want you to take one moment right now to think about your workplace. Let's assume that you work in an office, a shop, wherever, not working from home right now. Think about your workplace. Think about the people there, the people that you see each day when you ride the subway to work. Every person that you encounter, you are precisely where God wants you to be. God has ordained and he has orchestrated for you to be exactly where you are right now. And for some of us, that is the worst thing you've wanted to hear today because you want out of your workplace. You want to move to a different job. Your boss doesn't like you. But let me tell you, seriously, that's your training ground right there. That's where you are going to be an effective salt and light vessel to extend the influence and the impact of the kingdom. And here, in all that we do in KT, the goal is to send you out from here, to train you, to equip you, to encourage you and affirm you so that you take all the tools, everything that you learn here in your cell groups, Sunday services, living free, to go out and implement that where God has called you to. And that's exactly what Paul is proving to us here in that verse, which means that you are relevant, you are required, and you are ready. And I will dig into the word ready a little bit later, which means, friends, there can be no exceptions, no excuses, and no extenuating circumstances. Our senior minister, Pastor Colin, has a phrase that he's preached sermons from several times. Your occupation is your location for your true vocation, which means we need to seize every single opportunity that he gives us. The world that we reside in is decaying and dying, and we possess the answer, not an answer, not one answer amongst 20, or even the best answer, or even the most plausible answer. No, we possess the one singular correct answer, Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, what you carry, you communicate. Think about that for a moment. So if you don't believe that God is going to use you, you'll communicate that. It'll happen. Your testimony will be a bit bland, a bit lacking in substance. You won't communicate it with any sense of authority or confidence because you don't believe what you're saying yourself. 
But if you carry confidence and a boldness, not an arrogance, by the way, because it's God working through you. It's not you. You're aware of that. You're just the vessel. You're just the vessel, friends. But when you start to carry and communicate what God has placed in you, people see Christ in you. They see what God has done in you and what God has done through you. And you know what? You do it long enough, you're going to become attractive to them. People are going to be drawn to you. Why? You carry something fundamentally different. In a world of darkness, there you are as a lighthouse, a safety net, a place of refuge, someone that people can lean into and start to trust. So our hearts need to surrender afresh to the beauty and the joy of Jesus, which means you yourself have to be a voice, not the faint echo of your pastor, your cell leader, your primary leader. As great as I'm sure they all are, you yourself need to be a voice. You yourself need to communicate what God has placed on your heart, which means we also need to abandon comfortable and conventional Christianity for decisive and determined discipleship because this great city God has entrusted into our care. The enormity of that, 8.3 million people, he's entrusted into our care. The vision of this house, London and the world for Christ, a two-pronged focus. We need to transform the spiritual atmosphere and culture of the city. And I'm convinced a Caleb anointing needs to rise up in the body of Christ. Caleb had really two main things going for him. He deeply trusted in the promises of God. You find in Scripture, he didn't waver once. And everywhere he went, he took ground for Jesus. Not for himself, he took it for Jesus. He gave all the glory to God. And that is where we're going to unlock the key to this city. Amen? Which means we need to move beyond spiritual and indifference and apathy. If we want ourselves to be used by God, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, we need to live lives that are sold out, not intermittent, casual moments of commitment alongside bursts of information, inspiration at Christmas and Easter. My goal here is not even to inspire you. I don't like the word inspire. It doesn't dictate that anything is going to change. You heard a nice sermon. You said amen to the pastor at the end. You walked out, nothing changed. But the goal is to invoke in your own mind, in your own heart, imagining what this whole city of London would look like if every single person was a believer. If every single person was like you, what would this city look like? Wow. Now think about that. Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, moments after Peter had identified that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, he gave him this promise. I will give you the keys of heaven of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Which tells me that this is not a question of us being deficient or somehow lacking in authority and power. What is lacking is our obedience and our conviction to take advantage of the opportunities that he has already presented into our care. And I'll give you an example. 
I might use Pastor Andrew as an example, if I may, if he could join me downstairs just here for a moment. 2007, we had revival meetings here at KT. Gypsy William Lee led each and every night, every single night. People got saved. The book of Acts on display. And literally the first evening, he came to me over here and he said, would you help me catch some people as I'm praying for them? I said, sure, go ahead. He says, I'm going to start by praying. There was a lady in a wheelchair here. He said, bring her to here. So I'm assuming Andrew will play the role here. And he literally, I'm William. This lady is here in a wheelchair and I'm standing behind the woman and I am just shaking, shaking, trembling with fear because I know what's about to happen. He says, pick her up. No, no, I don't want to pick her up. I'm super nervous. I've got no faith, no faith whatsoever. He said, pick her up. I picked her up out of that wheelchair and I held her under, you know, her arms under my, on my arms. And he prayed for her and he had faith and he had confidence and nothing happened the first time he prayed. And he says, you start praying. So we started to pray. Long story short, that woman got radically healed. She left the wheelchair behind. Thank you. Thank you. Why? I had no faith. I had no confidence. I was feeble and flimsy in my faith. I didn't think God was going to do a thing. But he expected it. He didn't have a vague hope. Maybe something might happen. That 2007, I will never forget it. It's 14 years ago. So where's our trust? Where's our confidence? Because we are exactly where Jesus wants us to be. And that cuts across where some of us want to be. Because the storms of life happen. We're lacking in provision. We're time poor. Times are challenging. And yet God is still working in you and God is still working through you. You know when you're at your weakest, he's always at his strongest. And I'm reminded of an old song. I'm probably showing my age today a little bit. By Hillsong called Evermore. And there's a line in it. And you know as Christians, you know we don't say lies, we sing them. Even if my world falls, I will say, above all, I live for your glory. Lies. Lies. Even if my world falls, I will say, above everything else, I live for your glory. Nah. Nah. Wishful thinking, I would think, for most of us. Why? Because we're challenged. We're challenged by the reality of what's around us. But can I tell you, let that be your battle cry. Let that one line from that song be your battle cry. That no matter what goes on in your life, no matter how challenging times get, no matter how difficult your boss is, no matter how difficult the culture and the climate of society is, you will live for the glory of God in your life. Why? Because when you get to heaven, that's going to be all that counts. Did you do what I asked you to do? It's a simple yes or no answer. You don't want to start fumbling around presenting reasons and excuses for that. When you start to deploy your faith and declare those things that are not as though they are, change will occur. And I thank God for this house. There is no way 
that you can be in this house and not contribute, not grow, and not be part of something that is glorious and majestic. The question is, how connected are you? How engaged are you? How much do you want to contribute so that you can be part of God's great master plan for the world that we live in? Any limitations or parameters about how much we grow are set up on our side of the equation. Stand up, resist the counterculture of today's progressive and perverse society. Values like credibility and integrity have been relegated to the margins of even a Christian's life. The goal is always to raise the standard, not to allow subtle or blatant compromise to creep into your life. This means you're going to be called radical. You're going to be called extreme. You're going to be called obsessed by other believers. Forget the unbelievers in your workplace, just other believers. But here's a thought. I think what Jesus did on this earth was pretty radical. I think his death on the cross was pretty extreme. And obsessed is a word used by the lazy to describe the dedicated. At no point in the history of the church has the church ever been perfect. So please don't look for a perfect church. It doesn't exist. And if you found one, the chances are there's something imperfect about it. Just stay long enough and you'll find out. But perhaps this has been our challenge, is that we've sought perfection and not progression. Maybe it is our imperfection that we attempt to hide, we attempt to trivialize. That is the exact thing that people not yet in the faith need to see in our lives to help them understand that they can join us and they can be part of that journey. But we often fail in that arena. Why? We invite people to church and not Jesus. We invite them to programs and performances and not his presence. We need to shift our language to abandon our Christianese and meet people where they are because real people need real love. Otherwise, you will just be dealing with superficial pleasantries in your conversations with people. We need to give permission to people to drop their guard, to destroy the cynicism and the preconceived ideas about what they have of not just the church, but people in the church, and actually allow them to be who God created them to be. Why? Because somebody did that for you. Authentic expressions of the Father's heart are always communicated from hearts that are pure, pure vessels of willingness and obedience. We don't get to pick and choose the opportunities that God gave us. And we cannot allow our hearts to become a reservoir that preserves everything that we ourselves have acquired. Streams of living water, it flows in you and it flows through you. You are the vessel that will connect someone to the Father's heart. The buck does not stop with you. The more forthright and faithful you are in following Christ, the greater the test, the greater the trials. Don't don't avoid those moments because they are God-ordained excavations of your heart. They force an examination about where your trust and faith truly resides. So do you truly trust him? Do you truly want to be transformed each and every day? Be careful what you pray for. You might actually get it. And then you've got to encounter the responsibility of stewarding what God has given you. Oh God, put me in a workplace. I want to work for the prime minister, Lord. Get me there. 
and God gets you there. And now what? Uh, uh, I don't know what to say. No, God will give you all that you need. We have to be willing. We have to be faithful. We have to be obedient. If you want God to change you, he will. He's willing. The challenge for most of us is that we don't like the process of change. We don't enjoy the results of change initially. Over time, those changes become more valuable to us. All we need to do ultimately is to cry out to Jesus and he will pour out revelation, discernment, wisdom. Not sound bites, but accurate reflection of the Father's heart to, for you. Paul said it best in Ephesians 5. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in light. Live as children of the light. And later on in that chapter, he says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Preparation precedes the promises and the increase. That demands humility on our part, not a, a false self-centered sense of humility. No, genuine humility. And if that is demonstrated in your life, it will ultimately force an uncomfortable question. What are we doing with all that God has given us? It forces that in my own mind often. I, I sit there and I think, well, if, if I could see every opportunity from the past to this moment that God has given me, how many of them have I, have I actually taken advantage of? Forget that. How many have I even been aware of? I'm scared at the statistics attached to that. I fear it could be as little as one, two, three, five percent. And that's how we start to live our Christian lives pecking around on the floor when God has called us to soar like the eagles, to fly and to flourish in all that he has for us, to give him God honor and glory, not about doing more, but about becoming the best expression of the Father's love wherever he has placed me, in the most trying and challenging of circumstances or in the low-lying fruit, easy moments where you can just have a quick conversation with that person. Live your lives poured out. You will discover time and again when you reach the point where you think you have lived your life poured out, that you only reached the hundredth percentile of the next percent. There is always more. There is always more to download from the Father's heart. There is always more revelation in his word. There is always more of his joy and his presence to lay hold of. There is always more divine opportunities that he has orchestrated for you and you alone to lay hold of. But are you abdicating that responsibility and passing it on to somebody else? If everybody did that, nothing would happen in the church of Jesus Christ. We cannot have mediocre, lukewarm Christianity. It does not exist in this house. Amen? Amen. We need to be robust. We need to be resolute. It's a privilege for us to be part of God's plan for humanity. That is where our faith ultimately comes into play, devotion and dedication. Because friends, we are in a spiritual war for the soul of this city. Most of us, we're just not conscious of it. Each and every day, you go to your workplace. You can change the spiritual atmosphere and climate of your workplace, even if you're the only Christian in an office block of 60 floors. Faith can move the mountain, let the mountain move. Faith the size of a mustard seed. Hello? 
question is, are we exercising the authority that he's given us? Are we prepared to be prepared in order to take advantage of the opportunities? Christian author Alan Hirsch said the following, you cannot build a church on consumers. They will desert you at a moment's notice because they have no commitments beyond meeting their own needs. Jesus can take 12 disciples, build a movement that changes the world. You can never do that with consumers. So today, friends, is an opportunity for you to evaluate how connected each and every one of us are with God's opportunities. Our spiritual radar needs to be correctly attuned to the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you wait for perfection, you'll never get started. You'll never get started. Oh, I don't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to pray. If that's the thinking, you will never get started. You will never move towards the opportunities that God has provided for you. You need to take that step of faith. And your faith is one of the few things that are ultimately priceless that you currently possess. Do not allow small imperfections prevent you from blessing others. Demonstrate your gifts, embrace your talents, be prepared, take advantage of every opportunity and let God deal with the results. That minor imperfection could be what somebody needs to see to realize that they themselves are not alone on this earth. But for that to happen, we need to permit ourselves not to allow our own insecurities to control a situation. Control our decisions, control our destiny. Perhaps God wants to show someone something through that imperfection. The goal here is not perfection, it's progression. But more than that, it's not about you being perfect, it's about showing them how perfect Jesus is. That's the true goal. That's where we move forward. And it's a process. Discovering who you are, God's will, God's purpose. So think about it in your own heart, in your own life. If there's two words I would encourage you to think about, relentless and ruthless. Two words, don't know why, when I was preparing this message, they just stood out. Could we become a group of believers that are utterly relentless in the pursuit of God in fulfilling the plan and purpose? And ruthless, there's an efficiency. There's a, a real efficiency attached to being ruthless in the things of God. So my final thoughts for us this afternoon is what needs to change for you, right where you are. The exception cannot become the rule in your life where you abdicate the tough and testing opportunities in preference of the more accessible and easier opportunities to demonstrate Christ. Remember, every opportunity has to be seized. You want to get to a point in your life, friends, like Paul, he was happy to be in prison. In fact, he was like, I can do more damage for the kingdom of God in, in prison than if I'm out on the street right now. How many of us would pray that sort of prayer? Hmm? Shipwrecked, challenged, castigated, marginalized, chased out of town, everything. Did those tests make him weaker? No, they made him stronger. He became bold and resolute. He would literally, in theological terms, be the greatest religious authority figure on the earth after Christ. And yet this was a man calling for Christians' heads and, and actively engaging in the murder of Christians in previous years. So God can prepare us. God can prepare us and he has prepared us for opportunities. Revival does not start in some barn festival somewhere, by the way. 
The changes that we need to see in the spiritual atmosphere of this city and this nation does not start in some barn festival. It starts in your heart. It starts in my heart. It's not a gathering of 5,000 people, but it's 5,000 people individually allowing themselves to be revived to the things and plans and purposes of God. It starts in your heart where God starts to shift and change your thinking, your heart, your attitude, your perspective, not just in who you are and your identity, but in your outlook and the plan and purpose that he has for you. It starts with each and every one of us. We become awakened to the splendor and the glory of his love. You become utterly absorbed by God's grace on display in your own life, that you are obligated to convey that to every person you encounter. Why? Because we ultimately communicate what our heart's content is and our heart's condition. And this goes beyond calling. It's about humbly, fi humbly finding the place that you can best serve his kingdom. Because if you focus on what you think is your calling only, you ultimately will start to look inwards instead of upwards, and you will start to make significance as the preeminent goal of your life. But as you focus on serving and being exactly where God has placed you, it causes you to go heavenward and makes obedience and effectiveness the preeminent goal. So God has prepared you, friends, right where you are, to leave an indelible mark where you are. And as a Christian, you will always leave a legacy, never a gap. So the question is, in your own preparation, are you prepared to step forward, to lay hold of every opportunity that he has given you? Because as you do that, you will see God use you in ways that you have never seen before. The supernatural will become normal. Your levels of faith will rise and you will see your life being a perfect mirror reflection of the Father's heart and the Father's glory. And in doing that, you will be able to lay hold of all that God has for you. Amen? Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. The worship team are going to join me on the platform in a moment. And as they do that, I want to remind us that if you are new with us here in the building at KT, straight at the end of the service, the welcome team will be available with their red hands to receive you in our welcome room for some tea and coffee. If you are watching online, you can join the Zoom room. The meeting ID will appear on the screen in a moment. It's 860-0105-2423. Do stay around at 5.30. We have Bumi Omadarian from the Father's House, one of KT's network churches. He's coming to minister to us from Psalm 24. Why does God feel so far away? It will be a word of encouragement and empowerment for us this evening. So do stay around for that as well. But let's stand together. The worship team are going to lead us forward. And let, before we do that, let's share in the grace with one another. Let's stand together. Let's affirm and encourage each other. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you.